Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Service. This is our podcast that we actually do live where this not only streams to YouTube, but it streams to Facebook and a couple of other places. We usually have about four to 500 people that watch this show live, and they're all coming out here to learn a handful of things. I would say primarily real estate investing. We talk about tax. We talk, In fact, here's the book I was reading this morning. Boom. Uh, we talk a lot about tax. We talk a lot about how to make money so you actually care about tax. I remember there was a point in my life where I didn't care about tax, and now it's one of the main things I care about. Uh, we learn about wholesale. We learn about fix and flip. We learn about a ton of things. And today on today's episode, we're going to be talking primarily about raising private capital so that you can do more and more and more projects. It is so good to see you guys in here. I see a ton of people from YouTube making comments already. Um, Golfing was great today. Thank you so much for asking. We had uh, only enough time today to do nine holes, unfortunately, but got a lot of time with the family and got to enjoy ourselves. Um, I actually have a couple of special guests here today, guys. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, we'll get to him in just a minute. So remember, 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 remember today we're going to be talking about private capital. So if you guys have a ton of questions about other things, um, I suggest one of two options. Number one, either A, I would go and watch previous episodes. Uh, I don't know. I would go and watch previous episodes of Sunday Service um, to see what those specific topics might deep dive on so you can get some good, really good answers about what you're looking for. Um, or B, make a suggestion that you want us to deep dive on something because a lot of times we'll take suggestions out of the comments and you guys tell us, hey, I want to learn this. Hey, I want to learn this. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, we learned primarily what's the difference between subject two and seller finance. Then a couple of weeks later, we did, we dope, deep dove on a lot of the basics of subject two and how to have conversations. What's up, Cody? Cody, my business partner and my co-host today on Sunday Service. Um, good to yeah, see you. Good. How's it going? You guys, did you guys do anything fun today? Yeah, um, we're we're babysitting Octavius's dog for two days. So we're we went to the dog park and uh, we went out to eat in Old Town. And yeah, it's a good good day. What about you? I saw you were golfing. Um, yeah, man, it was it was good. We just enjoyed the weather. It was awesome. We only played nine holes, unfortunately, but got home just in enough time to get here on Sunday service to talk about raising private capital. Man, love it. Amazing. You're uh that's so funny that you guys are babysitting somebody's dog right now, huh? Yeah, it's a French French bulldog, which is the type of dog we eventually want. So it works out to see how see how he is. He's he's nuts. He's absolutely nuts. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. Um so I got a lot of people asking about um the sub two mentorship. Guys, this show is not about the sub two mentorship. So if you guys have questions about that, go to sub two.com. You guys can learn all about that. If you guys are wanting to squad up with some of my students, I get a lot of my sub two students that show up. I see Dave Concepcion. I see man, and our business partner, actually Matt Beard just popped in here. So good to see you on here, Matt. Cody, did you lift today? I did. I started with a new personal trainer. Me, Octavius Bennett, and then Alex Sines are all going to be training the same time three days a week now with the same trainer. Wow. I love that. Great networking opportunity as well. Yeah. Um, 
So a couple of things, guys, before we bring our guests on, we've got a gentleman named Mark Wright, who is a student of sub two, really, really smart guy, highly articulate, amazing guy. And then we've got a gentleman that his name on on YouTube was Baller Z. And he asked tons of really, really great questions. And it turns out he actually has a real name. It's not Baller Z. It's Moran El Refai, I think. So I'm going to give you guys forewarning. I am really going to start being um, ultra picky about people who don't have good internet. So if I bring you on here and you're you're in and out, your internet not, is not working, I'll kick you right out of the show. I'm so sorry, but we really want to make sure that the audio is good for people who are listening to this at another, uh, another date. So um, Mark Wright is always going back and forth on his phone, his internet, Last time I talked, last two times I talked to Mark, he was in and out. So I hope Mark figured out his internet today. We're ju- we'll jump into our special guest here in a couple of minutes. But again, today, guys, we are talking about raising private capital. It's one of those things that, um, Cody, when was the last time you and I funded one of our own deals with our own money? Um, I mean, it's been at least probably three, four months now. Do you remember the last deal we actually did fund with our own money? It's probably October, like Alpine, maybe. Mm, I don't know. I don't even know all, all the fix and flip properties. I don't even know all the addresses. You, Cody and I have a mastermind coming up here in about three weeks. And we were talking about on Thursday. There's, so it's a mastermind that's Friday and Saturday. So it's a two-day mastermind. But we do a bonus day. And the bonus day is Thursday where we drive all of these people coming out to the mastermind out to fix and flips, sub twos houses that we've bought sub to selling on a wrap. We're taking them out to development properties. And unfortunately, we have so many properties that are going on right now that we're going to have to divide like half the people into the East Valley and then come back and then take the other half of the people out to the West Valley. And Cody and I, as we were deciding which properties we were going through, he kept giving me addresses. I'm like, dude, I've literally never heard of that property, but awesome. Sounds great. So it means that we're doing a good amount of fix and flips. Things are rolling on our uh, in our business. And uh, we could always do more. I think we could always do a lot more fix and flips. And in order to do more fix and flips, you have to get two things. Okay, You have to get one, more projects, and two, more private capital. So if you guys are marketing in the Arizona market and you guys have any opportunities for us, please send us a message, 480 819 9295. I think we have less than 10 fix and flips going on right now, which our goal is to be at 24 active between um, the four phases of fix and flip. So let's go into that real quick. Phase one of fix and flip is I've just committed to a deal. So let's say Mark Wright, for example, one of our guests we're going to pop up on here, sends me a deal and I go, yes, I want it. That's phase one. I'm, I'm committed to it. It's now an escrow. Phase two is now where we buy it, we close escrow, and we start the construction. Phase three is when we're wrapping up the construction and listing the property. And then phase four is when we sell the property to a family. So for us, the perfect blend is about six properties in each category going on at any given time. So six that we've committed to, six that were you know, active in construction, six that we're just wrapping up, and then six that are listed on the market for sale or are in escrow. And uh, right now, I think we have probably between 10 and 12. And so we're about half of where we really want to be at. And if you guys want to learn 
how to do more, um, you know, maybe how to find deals. Happy to talk to you guys about that as well. So without further ado, let's bring our guests on. It looks like Moran does not even have camera working. So that's a, oh, there he is. And, and uh, we also have Mark Wright. So Moran, give us, tell us how to pronounce your name and give us like a one minute, two minute introduction. Where are you at? Where are you at in, in uh, the country? Where are you at in your business? And then um, we'll jump over to um, Mark Wright and have him do the same thing. Yeah. Um, can you guys hear me well? We can hear you great. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Mahran. That's how it's pronounced. Mahran El Rafai. Um, I'm from Ohio, Toledo, Ohio. Um, in the business, uh, where I'm at right now, I'm, uh, I've been in the business for about a year, just across the year mark. Um, and within the year uh, that, that, that just passed, did about um, three deals. So looking to bump that up this year and um, expand. Love that. Okay, cool. So um, before we jump over, Mark, what are your plans to bump that up? Yeah. So um, to introduce, well, first we get a lot more mentorship from people in my you know local area and also online. Obviously, being on Sunday service, um, also to incorporate do more um, marketing or like SMS and incorporate that and RBMs and stuff, and which I'm looking into, um, as well as to wrap up my cold calling, which I've been doing a lot over the past year. So I'm just looking to do even more now, and also just get really um, get really specific with the, with the people that I'm targeting instead of just, you know, blanket, you know, absentee list, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Love that. Okay, cool. Um, good to meet you, bro. Um, what, what, what was up with the name baller Z or was it ballers? <laughs> no, well, I don't even know, man. Uh, I made that when I was like 14. So I don't even oh, know. Love it. I mean, it was a, it was a dope name, but I was like, I wish I knew your actual name and it's good yeah. to finally meet you. Cause you ask really, really good questions. Thank you. Um, it's not your name that pops out to me. It's your questions are so damn good. So thank, thank you. you so much for always tuning in, providing value to the rest of the audience. Um, and without further ado, Mark Wright, um, tell us what market you're in. Tell us about your business. Are you just starting? Have you done deals? What What is the next 12 months of goals look for, look, look for, for you and your business? And how are you going to achieve those? Absolutely. Um, first of all, good evening, everyone. What's up, Pace? Hey, Cody. Mahran, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Cool. Cool. How are you, man? Um, cool. I'm in the Las Vegas market, and I, I, I believe Pace just mentioned I am a sub two student. I started following Pace in June, and um, we met. And like like a lot of people on this stream right now, I started watching. Sunday service, wholesale hotline, looking at the videos on IG and YouTube. And it was just so much value that it just made sense. I had to get involved. And um, so I've, I've bought a few properties in the past, but very much not in a creative manner. Um, things were different. And this just makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I consider myself a new investor. I'm starting from scratch, completely emptying my cup, learning um, from the ground up. And Love it. it's a lot of information, but it's very detailed information. And it, it's, it works well for me because I, I learned well with um, not there is handholding, but I learn well when I can watch something and stop it and take notes and ask questions and either pace or someone on the team will get back to me. Um, so I'm, I'm considering myself a brand new investor. I'm starting out um, going to be driving for dollars virtually. Um, we have a challenge that's going on in the sub two group, but 
going to be doing that and squatting up with some other people who also mentors other students and having them code call and go out and speak to people. The goal is to get five rentals by the end of the year. Um, I have to gauge whether or not that's not necessarily realistic, but whether I'm shooting too low um, in terms of whether I need to raise the bar on that. Um, but I want to get to the point where I'm doing at least three to five wholesale deals a month. And I'm giving myself six months to get to that point. So love it. That's love where it. I am. Cody, you know what I want to start out with real quick? Because the reason we brought Macron and Mark on here is because um, we were talking about the topic and it was going to be raising private capital. And both of these gentlemen were like, yo, I, I'd love that to be the topic. So I thought, hey, let's have them on. We can have a kind of a one-on-one -on -one conversation and everybody else in the audience can kind of just either A, vibe and hang out or B, they can participate by asking some good questions as we deep dive. Yeah. When, when you're looking at both where these two gentlemen are in their business, you know, you and I had a great conversation yesterday about our own business, right? So um, we're, pre we're prepping for our mastermind coming up in three weeks and we've got basically 40 people coming out to that mastermind, you know, between them and their partners. We cap it at 30, but there's 10 extra people bringing their partners. And in there, one of the things that really impressed me about one of your, your topics that you're covering is the first question that you ask yourself in the pyramid. What's the first question? Not, not the whole five in the first section, just the first question. What is the first question? And I want Mark and I want Makran to ask themselves this question. And you don't need to answer it right now, but let's, I want the whole audience, everybody write this down. This is an incredibly, incredibly great question. Okay. I, I'm not a big like guy that wants to talk about synergy and like mindset and all that kind of stuff. Mindset's great and it's super important, but more important for me is like practical, tactical knowledge. This question really kind of hits you in the gut. Um, even at our level, I looked at Cody and I was like, damn, that's a great question. So Cody, what is this question? So this question is, it has to do with lifestyle congruence. And the question is, do you know what the company's sales performance must be to support your own personal comfort? Do you know what your sales and your company, what revenue and your company needs to be to support your personal comfort? Think about that. So Mark, Makran, and everybody else in the audience, ask yourself this question. Do you know what your business's sales need to be every single month in order for you to take home the amount of money that you want? Can I answer that or? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. I'd love to hear if you have an answer. Yeah, so I mean, my long-term goal uh, is to make about $10,000 a month, you know, within like the next you know year or two to eventually get to that point where I'm, where I'm doing that. Um, my, my, my deals typically cost me a few hundred bucks to do. So like five to 700 is roughly where I swim. Um, so times that by 12, that's about 6,000. Um, so to make 120, uh, you know, a year plus 6,000, that's probably where it'd have to be. So 125, 130 is where it'd have to be every single year. So interesting. Your deals are costing you, your deals are costing you five or $600 or is that how much you're making on your deals? No, that's how much they cost. Got it. Okay. So your cost. Okay. So essentially the question is what is your gross What's your total, what's the amount of money you bring in in revenue per month 
to get you to that $10,000? How much revenue do you need to generate? And it sounds like for you, if you want to take home $10,000, you've got to generate somewhere around $20,000 in assignments because you're going to have five, $600 times, you know, 12 or whatever. Actually, you're going to be about $25,000 a month in assignments in order for you to take home $10,000. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people don't think this way. A lot of people don't think about, okay, well, I want $10,000 a month. How much does that actually mean in revenue per month before? I, wow. Kelly Hanno gave us $2. <laughs> Kelly, you know, you're on the payroll, right? You don't need to pay me but I do appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, so Makran, that's a great, so Marks, I'd love to ask you the same question. What about you? What is your take home? Um, now here's an interesting thing. Okay. Like this month, Cody, do we have three flips close this month or just those two? We, we had two close for January. I think we have like four or five set to close for February though. Okay, so let's look at February, for example. How much how much in February do you think will close? Profit. And not, revenue not rev- Yeah, like for after we pay Anna, after we pay everybody's commissions, all that kind of stuff, like how much will we you and I basically have to split? Um, I mean it'll be close to two hundred thousand dollars for February. Okay, cool. So that's just our fix and flip business, right? So Cody and I will both take home somewhere around, I don't know, fifty grand in January each. And then in February, we'll take both about $100,000 a month. That's, that, that doesn't include our cash flow on our rentals. That doesn't include our wholesale. That doesn't include any of that kind of stuff. So, Macron, I'm going to tell you, I kind of feel like your number is incredibly low. Like having access to this knowledge and learning from people that are doing this type of things. Um, like, bro, if Cody and I don't both make well over seven figures in a year, it's depressing. And it's not that we're any more special. I mean, you, first off, you have the best YouTube YouTube name of all time. Like you have an advantage. Just kidding. But you, I think honestly, you're probably shooting a little bit low. Um, I do know, I do love that you have a goal, but I do think you're shooting low. For you, Mark, what are your thoughts on, on that same topic? Hey James, James Jones, you should get the hell out of my my feed. That's how I feel about that. We're 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 building up. So if you're not happy about it, you should go watch something else later. Mark Wright, what do you got, brother? Mark Wright. Uh, no numbers that well, I understand the concept of kind of like reverse engineering that, figuring out where I want to be and backing out of that. It's it's kind of what uh, you and Cody teach when you speak about underwriting a deal. Um, I know where I want to be, but I'm not exactly sure what it's going to take to get there because I don't know what my marketing costs are going to be yet. I don't know what my acquisition costs are going to be. So um, I'm hoping that over the next couple, well, I know that over the next couple of weeks, I'll I'll learn that and I'll figure that out and I'll have a better idea, not just how to calculate that and um, know it hypothetically or generally, but specific to the market in which I work. Okay, um, great. So that said, my goal is to get to $25,000 a month. Love it. Okay, cool. So here, here's why I asked this question. And you get guys like James Jones that come out and they're impatient. We've only been in here mm-hmm. for 20 minutes and the guy's losing his mind. He wants us to get to the topic. The reality is 
there's a forward in every book that you read and there's a prelude and there's a backstory. And the reason why I ask you this question is because it's important. Okay. Why is it important? It's because we raise capital to do this business. Okay. It's incredibly important for you to understand how to raise private capital in this business and understand what it is used for. So before we go, before we go into how to raise private capital, I want to spend five to seven minutes on what we raise private capital for. So Cody, tell us, what are we raising private capital for? Are we raising it to do wholesale? Are we no. raising it to do fix and flip? Are we raising it to do rentals? What are we raising private capital for? Primarily for fix and flips. Um, right now we're, um, you know, looking at this year at self-funding, probably more of our rentals, but primarily right now our fix and flips, our rentals. And then towards the end of this year, um, from what we've been talking about over the last couple of months is looking at uh, putting, you know, some money together to go and buy either a mobile home park or a, you know, smaller multifamily complex. Got it. Okay. So Here's the thing is you, you're not raising money, guys, everybody that's paying attention, because what here's here's why I provide so much context and I'm so long winded is because when I get to the crescendo and I get to the payoff, everybody has this aha moment and they go, oh, my gosh. But if I do it the other way, I go, OK, let's show you exactly how to raise private capital, which we'll get into. Um, people are going to go, OK, well, what do I use the money for? Let's talk about what you're using capital for. So when I start telling you about the conversations you have with these lenders, you know why you're even having these conversations in the first place. So we raise money for two things. Okay. We do not raise money for our wholesale operation. We do not raise money for our JV operation. Okay. So what is our JV? It means anybody, anytime a wholesaler brings a deal to us and we sell it for them, or anytime a wholesaler brings a deal for to us. Um, and needs us to do um, maybe transactional funding or something along those lines. We're not raising private capital for any of those things. We're just, help that's a transaction. We're just very in and out, very, very quick. The two things that we're raising private capital for are these things. Number one, the obvious, which is fixing and flipping. Okay, so I'm going to jump in, um, do a little bit of screen share, if you guys don't mind. And I want to basically break down... Cody, we've got a deal. What, what's the next fix and flip that we have right now? Do we have one on the slate or one we just bought? Cochise. That's the one that's coming up here soon. That will okay, be so Cochise. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up the whole screen, guys, but we're going to break this down so that everybody can see this. So Cody, break down to me what Cochise purchase price is if you have it. Yep. I actually know that one pretty fresh. So the purchase price is going to be 400 our purchase price is four hundred and twenty thousand. We're assigning it to ourselves for twenty thousand. So our wholesale company will make twenty. So our true purchase price is four hundred and forty thousand. Okay, so we've talked about this on the show before, guys. Is that we have multiple businesses, right? We have a fix and flip operation. Um, we have a wholesale operation, and we have a buy and hold operation, which you know, could be like, we've got a couple of Airbnbs that we're working on right now. It could be a rental, could be a corporate deal, could be a corporate rental. It could be um, a group home or whatever it is. But these are three individual businesses right here. Okay. They're completely different. They're different bank accounts, different employees, different structure, different everything. Okay. The name of our fix and flip business is Blue Acorn Development. Is that right? Blue Acorn Investments. Blue Acorn Investments. I'm very smart. 
This one is called American Home Offers. Our wholesale business is American Home Offers. In our wholesale operation, we wholesale both creative finance deals and wholesale ca just cash deals. Okay. We just assigned a seller finance. No, I'm sorry. We just assigned a subject to in Florida the other day for $20,000 assignment. Okay. That still is our wholesale business. Okay. We do creative deals in all three of these. We do cash deals in all three of these, but they're different models based on the exit strategy. So fix and flip is one exit strategy. Wholesale is another. And then buy and hold is a completely other, which you know, has its own little categories of buying, you know, Airbnb or rental or whatever. Okay. So what happens is because these are different businesses, our wholesale operation is the one doing all the marketing. So our wholesale operation finds this property on Cochise for $420,000 and contracts it. Now, the wholesale business is not going to do the fix and flip. So the wholesale business gets paid an assignment fee for, of $20,000 that goes to AHO, which is American Home Offers Wholesale Business, okay? That house now is not purchased for 420, which is what we originally contracted it for. It's contracted for 420 plus the 20. So we're at $440,000 purchase price inside of our fix and flip operation and a $20,000 profit has now gone to our wholesale operation. The reason we do that Cody, what you want to break that down real quick, why we do that. So everybody kind of has a good, clear reason why and understanding. Yeah. So the purpose for doing that is you are treating your business as a true business. Our wholesaling company is a true business and you wouldn't short another wholesaler their fee, right? So we don't short our wholesale operation its fee. Um, it receives the money um, for, you know, selling the deal. That's what we would have sold it to another, um, you know, another buyer for. So we assign it to ourselves. make sure our sales team gets paid, um, as well on the wholesale fee. And then it replenishes money towards the marketing expenses as well. So, um, that's the purpose of assigning it to our other entity for a profit. Yeah. So our, our employees get paid here, right? So like we've got acquisition guys that get a commission. We've got disposition people that get a commission. We've got costs associated with marketing and virtual assistance and all that kind of stuff. So that $20,000 gets, I don't know, what would you say out of that $20,000? I'd probably say 6,000 of that gets eaten up with costs. And then the other $14,000 is close to a profit. Yeah, close, close to a profit. Yeah, I would say, I mean, out of, we're getting closer now that we have more virtual assistants working on our team and less, you know, US-based team. So we're closer to around a 50% margin, but we're in the 40s as far as our profitability on the wholesale side. Love it. Okay, cool. So you guys now understand what we did there and why we bought this property on Cochise for four. We bought it for 440, essentially. We didn't buy it for 420, even though that's what the wholesale business contracted at. The wholesale business got paid its $20,000 and that pays all the employees and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, now, over here, because we paid the fix and flip operation, American Home, what's it called again? Blue Acorn Investments. You can. I don't even sign on the, the documents on, the, on these anymore. So I'm sorry, guys. I don't know all the names of all of our LLCs. Um, so the fix and flip operation then buys this property for $440,000. What are the remaining numbers we need to know? Renovation, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the renovation is probably going to be about $45,000. Okay, so 45,000 mm -hmm. is our reno. 
And then I'd say we've got a cl- bunch of closing costs. Let's say $5,000 when we purchase it. Right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we've got closing costs because guys, we are buying this property. We're, we've got closing costs of $5,000 when we acquire it. $45,000 in reno. What other, what other numbers do I need to worry about? Uh, we have the commissions on the back end. Love it. Okay. So let's not worry about that one. Cause we technically don't have to pay for that out of our pocket. Yeah. Um, what do we have to pay for out of our pocket? We got payments, we got utilities, we got insurance, we got all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Plug in about 20,000 for the holding for money costs, utilities, all that. Okay, cool. So guys on our fix and flip operation, where do we raise money? I'm going to give everybody a guess. What portion of this section right here? Because this is our total cost, right? We've got to go get the 440000 We've got to get 5000 We've got to get 45000 And then we've got to get $20,000. We actually utilize two lenders. Okay, there's one le- lender number one and lender number two. There's two lenders on every one of our fix and flips. So what is the breakdown? How much of this 440 does our first lender give us? And how much of this does our first or second lender give us? Does anybody have a breakdown or a guess? Makran or Mark, do you guys have any questions about any of this so far? No. I guess that you guys are funding all of it. We, yeah, we don't, no, we don't I, put I any of our own money in any of our deals. That literally all of this money, which would be 440 plus 5 plus 45, so that were 490. So the total amount that we've got to come up with is $510,000. Literally $0 of that will come out of our pocket. Okay, so we're going to use two lenders. Okay, I've got- um, Some will come obviously from a private lender. Yeah, this is great. So check this out. The first lender is a hard money lender. Mark, do you know what a hard money lender is specifically? Yes. Um, I absolutely do. Hard money lenders are usually short-term lenders and they loan you money to be paid interest only. So as, as you're making your payments to them, um, you're not, not reducing your principal at all. So Love whatever it. the term is, it's usually a short term. You'll make interest only payments. And then when, when you pay them off, it's a balloon payment in essence. Why are they called hard money lenders? And it's also based on the asset. There you because go. they're um, they're based on the they base their lending on the asset, not on you, and they they tend to charge higher interest rates. If I'm not mistaken, you are correct. So here we go. Check this out. So a hard money lender, Mark hit it right on the head, bases their lending on a hard asset. So a hard asset would be a car. Um, it would be a house. It would be something along those lines. You can't go to a hard money lender and just go, hey, man, I need a loan. They, they're not going to give you a loan. They're going to base it off of the asset. We have a lender who actually will give us 100% of our purchase price all in one loan. We do not have to bring a down payment to the table. Everything gets paid for on the purchase. Okay. And that le- we have a couple lenders actually, and they, they range between 12 to 16%. Okay. So those lenders will range anywhere between 12 to 16%, depending on the lender we use, depending on who has money. This raising money with a hard money lender is as, Cody, what's the process when we decide, let's say Frank West Capital, when we decide to go with them, what is the process? Oh, Cody took uh, took a quick break. 
So the process to get a, a hard money lender is literally a phone call. These guys are businesses, okay? These are lenders. They do this for a living. Cody, how easy is it for us to get a lender tied up on, on a deal on a hard money loan? I mean, it's we send an email and we have money in like four hours. Okay, truly. So do you guys see why I'm walking through this context? Because I need you guys to understand people overthink hard money lenders. They think it goes through credit. They think it goes through appraisals. They get, think it goes through all this stuff where like the lender, Cody, I, I think you've met most of our lenders, but like, it's not like we have these deep personal relationships with these hard money lenders, right? No, no. And, and I think one thing to point out too, Pace is, you know, on the hard money lender side, it, if you are a brand new investor, it can be a little bit, you, you will go through a little bit more of a process than say we do because we have an established track record, but you know, for people that are new or using hard money lenders, you may, they may require you to submit some, you know, documentation, not like your credit score, but Hey, what are, what do you see on this deal? How much money are you expecting to spend on the renovation? What's your plan? You know, they may require you to put 10% down um, on the hard money loan, um, which you can fund with a private money lender, which Pace will get into. But those are just some things that, you know, if you do go to a hard money lender and you get some a couple hurdles the first time you go to use them, once you establish the relationship, it becomes easy. Like with the hard money lender we use now, it's literally we send an email and they fund it within a few hours. Whereas new investors, they have to go through a little bit more vetting, but that's what you can create with a hard money lender once you create and establish that relationship. So Cody's uh, uh, in, um, leaving one important piece out. So let's say I'm Mark Wright. Hey, Cody, or I'm ask you a question? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Mark, you're, you're, you have mean? a pretty significant lag on your on your Wi-Fi. Are you on Wi-Fi or are you using your cell phone? Wi-Fi. <laughs> cell phone. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's, your no, your actually, lag I'm, is literally I'm on, like I'm a seven-second lag. I'm not sure why it's lagging because I'm at home. Yeah, it's it's lagging pretty bad. I put you on mute for a second. Um, you might want to just double check your cell phone is attached to your Wi-Fi. So here's something I want to I want to go through with you guys real quick. So on this relationship with this lender, this is really where people get scared. And Cody's forgetting one thing that he need you you need to focus on. If you don't have credibility, which I've never had to go to a lender and a they've ever asked for my bank statements, I've never gone to a lender and asked for any of that kind of stuff. Here's the one thing they'll ask you is they'll say, have you ever fixed and flipped a, a property before? They care about experience, right? So if you don't have the experience, what do you do? You squat up. So for example, um, Cody, Katie Fisher, we had a, a girl, Katie Fisher brought a deal to us and she had never fixed and flipped a property before. What was the process of that relationship and, and how did that help? How could that help somebody that's like, yo, I have a property, but I've never fixed and flipped before. What are the things we brought to the table that essentially set her kind of on the right path? I mean, for her, all she had to do is bring the deal. Once she brought the deal, the the lender that we were going through and that she wanted to also have a shot at using wouldn't lend to her without her putting, you know, a large down payment down and all this vetting, but her bringing the deal to us and then us going to close on it, going to that same lender because they know us, they know the experience that we have. 
was we were able to you know get that deal done and you know not have to go through the hurdles that she would have to go to on her own and then that helped establish credibility for her because that lender understands that she's being she's working with people that know what they're doing so it's going to bring her better trust with that particular lender going forward cool so i love that there's a couple really great questions in here i love these questions i'm going to jump on them real quick dizzy says why not self-fund and save the interest when possible so it's not about saving money, okay? It's about scaling your business. And when you're funding deals, we just did this interesting Zoom the other day on Friday night. We were talking to this girl named Haley and she was utilizing the burr strategy. And I go, let me guess, you've done like three or four burrs and now you're out of money. She's like, yeah, I am out of money. I'm Now I'm locked. I, I have no ability to buy more deals. I have to go save more money. So when possible, I guess, um, you can fund it. But the reality is the goal is not for us to make $10,000 a month. The goal for us is to make $100,000, $400,000 dollars a month. You can't do 24 renovations with your own capital. You just can't. And the reality is where do Cody and I actually use our money? Because we're both conser really conservative guys. Okay, I'm a very conservative guy. I drive a Prius. My home is less than a million, a half a million dollars. I, could I afford a $4 million home and the nicest car you can ever set your eyes on? Yes, 100%. And same thing with Cody. Um, but the reality is our, we're trying to build legacy here. So we want to be incredibly smart about our money, where we place it. Cody and I use our money to go build other businesses, right? Like uh, title companies, property management companies, things of those nature. Because when you're doing real estate, this is an interesting conversation, guys. When you're doing real estate, um, when you do a deal with a lender, you pay them a percentage of interest, okay? When I go raise private capital for a business, what am I going to now give them a percentage of? I'm gonna give them a percentage of my ownership. So we are not raising capital for other businesses. We are using our cash to build our businesses and we are using people's money to do our fix and flips because all they get is an interest play on that deal. Okay, so really great question. Really, really great question, Dizzy. Um, so squat up, okay? A big, big part of this is squatting up. There are lenders out there. So this is an interesting thing too. A lot of people will go to like one lender and they'll go, oh, this lender wants this. I'm like, okay, go to a different lender. They're like, oh, I can do that. Yes, there's literally, if you guys Google right now, I would be curious, everybody right now, um, we have 350 people watching live, which is amazing. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. But 350 people should go to their go, go to their website, go to their uh, browser and type in, like open up another tab and type in hard money lender and then the city that you're in. You will have pages and pages and pages of hard money lenders. They are everywhere. They're easy to find, okay? So let's go back through Cochise because I want to get into actually raising private capital. We've got another 50 minutes or so, and I want to get into that. So, um, Cody, we go out and we raise the, we get the hard money lender to give us the full, how much is the hard money lender going to give us out of this? Uh, 440. Okay. So the private lender is going to give us the 440. And then we've got to basically put the rest of this together with a private lender, right? All of this is a private lender. Yep. Okay, so here's what's interesting, guys. So out of this $510,000, the first loan is four hundred forty, dollars and that is from a, pro a hard money lender. And we get that through a simple email. 
Okay, we email our, our lender and we let them know, hey, we want that money. And how fast can they get the money to title typically? Yeah, I mean, literally like four hours, like day of, we've had to do it. We don't like to do that, but sometimes, you know, if a private lender was trying to fund the deal and their IRA takes too long for the funds to transfer and we need to close and we have to go with hard money, it is nice to have it as a backup. Got it. So um, here's the thing. On the other portion of the loan, we, we need to raise $70,000 for this. Okay, $70,000. And you can see how quickly your own cash can get zapped up, right? If you're, if you're just getting started, you're thinking, man, how do I get that $70,000? Well, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Either A, get a partner, or B, um, go and raise private capital. Okay, a partner would be somebody that actually splits the deal with you. Okay, and that's not what we're trying to do. We are not trying to split our deals. So we prefer to go the private lender route. So our private lenders, because they're individuals, they come in and here's what's interesting, guys. Pay attention to this. Okay, look at the miscellaneous section here. This is a part that a lot of people don't understand. What does that miscellaneous entail? We actually raise enough money to pay our lenders Hey, Mark, I keep, I keep muting months. you because you're, Mark, I'm sorry, bro. I'm going to kick you out of the studio. You got your, your things kind of screwing up. So sorry, brother. So, um, we pay our lenders with what money, Makran? Um, if I keep, if I keep saying that I'm not paying, I'm not coming out of pocket. What happens yeah. if this is a four month loan? right? Well, let's say this is a four-month project, okay? Month one, month two, month three, month four, don't, don't these lenders get a payment? Yes. Where does that payment come from? It comes from you guys. It comes from eventually the sale of the house. No. It does come eventually from the sale of the house, but they're not going to wait for the sale of the house. They want their payment every single month. So where does that money come from every single month? If I told you I don't put a penny of my money into these fix and flips. How do I pay them? With the other lender's money? We pay, we raise enough money right here in this $20,000 right here. We pay our lenders with our lenders money. Wow. So we, we raise enough capital that the utilities, the taxes, the HOA, the monthly payments to the hard money lender and the monthly payments to the private lender, all of that money gets raised up front. And so we know exactly how much money we need in order to go and do these projects. Okay, so a lot of people, why am I, I'm telling you this, has anybody gotten any value so far? And we can go a little bit longer tonight. Thank you, brother, appreciate that. So. This is why I go through these long, drawn-out ways to explain things is because I really want you guys to understand the nuances and the small little details of going up until I give you the crescendo. But along the way, I want to give you these little nuggets. People are so afraid to fix and flip because they say, I don't have experience. I don't have money. Oh my gosh, guys. If you understand that you truly don't use any of your own money, this is those things that you see on Instagram and Facebook ads and YouTube ads where people are like, I didn't use my own money. It's like, a lot of those are true. 
a lot of people fixing and flipping are not using any of their own money. And so we raise enough money. Yes. So Mike and Briglio, who also is a fix and flipper, he's a student of ours. Um, Mike and Briglio raises capital as well. You have to know your holding costs. So we add all those things up. Okay. The holding costs are, you know, monthly payments, utilities, all that kind of stuff. We add that up. And that's part of that $20,000 that we'll end up raising on this deal is the payments that we need to pay everybody end up getting paid with the money we raise. Okay. I have a question. Yeah. So do you, can you use the same lender's money that you're paying him that did you paying back to, to pay for the interest? Like, can you, can you pay yeah. back the lender with the same money that he lent you or do you have to get it from another lender? No, you, you literally, it's like Macron. If I go, Hey, I need 40 grand. I tell you, I need 50 and I make the, I make the $10,000 of payments to you over five months with the remaining $10,000 I didn't need. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. our lenders know that, but here's, what's cool. They're making month. They're making interest on the $10,000 that we're, we're making payments to. Now, a lot of people will go and pay rate. They'll go and do fix and flips with their own cash. And for me, I say the only reason you're doing fix and flips with your own cash is one of two reasons. Either A, you can't find enough projects and scale your business, or B, you haven't learned how to raise private capital. Okay. And you'll get guys that go, oh, I just like using my own cash. And I'm like, how many projects are you going? They go, one. I go, okay, well, there's your problem, right? You're basically, you're able, if you're doing one project at a time, that means you can do Macron, if I told you you could do one project at a time, how many projects per year could you do total? Not many. Not, I mean, like two, three, maybe max. Yeah, I'd say two, three conservatively, four yeah. very aggressively, like very, four very yeah. quick ones, right? <laughs> because you've got the challenges. You, you put the house on the market and you got to wait for the buyer to close escrow and all that kind of stuff. We just had a house. It just closed last week. It took an extra 45 days longer to close escrow because the lender for the buyer kept screwing up and making mistakes. So we paid an extra 45 days of hard money longer than we planned. And that cost us, I don't know, probably an extra four to $5,000. Yeah. But the cool thing is it wasn't our money that was tied up. And so we could still go and do more projects, even though that house was taking a long time to sell. And I have another question. Um, yeah. Is it, I hear it's illegal to solicit money, you know, from lenders, you know, just calling them up on their website and asking, you know, if they lend. Is that true? Is that, I mean, can you just it, call it, them up? It's very true. And this is what we're going to get into now. Okay. So, um, great question. I'll, I'll jump on that. It's called solicitation. Okay. Um, solicitation. Um, Ruben Holmes says, won't the lender give you a hard time to lend you without reno money? Um, no, because our lender... Um, understands exactly how this is structured. Okay. Most hard money lenders that um, actually are in this business, which there's millions, I swear, if you guys just look them up, you'll see them everywhere. Um, yeah. I see a lot of people in here saying they've used their own money. They get tapped out. It's too slow and not ideal. It's really hard to scale a business that way. King Edward says, this is mind blowing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, there's a lot of people in here wanting to squat up. So I love that. Thank you so much. Um, somebody says, this is like cracking the code to financial freedom. I agree a hundred percent. We will be, we, Cody and I will probably generate close to two and a half to $3 million in profit this year, 
just from our fix and flip revenue, and none of that money will be used on our own. The only time we will ever use our own money is if it's like a $5,000 renovation. It's like, oh, just throw the money in there. But for us, we're building other businesses and we're buying other businesses. So we extract the cash. We will then either A, buy rental properties with that cash, you know, sub two, seller finance and Airbnbs and all that kind of stuff. Or we'll take that money and go buy a title company or a title, a, a branch or a property management company or whatever. And so you can scale and you can actually start dominating and, and, and building a legacy, right? So um, if you're not squatting up with people, that's the whole purpose of Sunday service, guys. Sunday service is all about squatting up and working with each other. So your question, Makran, is, isn't it illegal to solicit? The answer is yes. Okay. The answer is yes, it is illegal. So here's what's illegal. This is what you can't do. You can't go online and you can't say, I want to raise private, I'm raising private capital. Okay. I'm raising private capital. I need this. I need a I need private lenders, blah, 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 blah. That is called solicitation. It is against the SEC guidelines, and that is federal prison time. That is a federal crime to do that. It's not a misdemeanor. It is a federal crime. Okay. Now, how do you get in trouble for that? Is the SEC going to come and look at your Instagram post? No. But what ultimately happens is if you raise private money from non-accredited investors and you have not written and... um you have not written a PPM, which is a private placement memorandum, and you have not filed that with the SEC with a regulatory offering, meaning you go to the SEC and go, hey, we wrote this big Bible called the PPM that tells our investors every which way they're ever going to lose their money. Here's a copy of it. And now we want to register with you that we're going to raise private capital. And at that point and that point only, are you allowed to solicit? So you'll see Grant Cardone saying, hey, looking for lenders, looking for lenders, looking for lenders. He has written a PPM. He has um, filed with the SEC. And that's where you'll see people say, hey, our, this is our Series A or Series B offering or whatever else, is they have actually registered with the SEC. So how do you get around that? There's two ways to get around that, Okay. The first way you get around that is friends and family. There's an exclusion in the SEC code that says, if you, um, if you have people that you have existing relationships with and you raise money from them, friends and family, fr friends and family, fr families, obviously, you know what that means, but friends means that you have had a relationship for a specific amount of time and it was not based around you bringing them to the table as a lender. So let's say that you, you were on Sunday service and you've been watching us for a year and we've been in the same network and talking to each other. We would then be considered friends. Okay. So you and I could do business together with private capital without worrying about any sort of securities violations. Okay. Because we are now friends or we are family members. Okay. That's the first way around it. The second way around that is that you, you're not asking for investors. When you're asking for investors, like, Hey, looking for investors, looking for investors, there's a difference between an investor and a lender. Okay. So we are asking for lenders who ultimately the way we tell them is we go, we're looking for financing partners, okay? 
So then people reach out to us. So I can go into Facebook and go, hey guys, I'm looking for somebody to help me fund this deal and I'll bring you on as a partner. So essentially that's how you get around it is you can raise capital basically from anywhere, anyone by either A, establishing a long-term relationship um, or B, you go to them and, and tell them, hey, I want you to be a lender, which I will secure your funding against this property and you will have a note or promissory note and you will also have a deed of trust securing your money to this property and you will be a partial owner of this house until we pay you off. Mike Boulder, Colorado says, you should not be doing a PPM. Most, most real estate investors are not doing PPMs, but I, you asked the question I'm answering. I don't know one smaller person. Um, interesting. Creighton asked, asked the question. question from Creighton. Why don't you jump on that, Cody? So Creighton is asking, what do you use to secure the private money loan you use for your rehab? So what we do is we get a note and a deed of trust recorded against the property. And that is what's securing their interest. So if they lend us, you know, on the deal, $100,000, a deed of trust, a note is going to be written up by the title company that we're utilizing. Attorney states are going to, your attorney is obviously going to do that. So they're going to secure that against the property. That's essentially like if you get a loan with Bank of America or you get a loan with Chase Bank to buy your personal residence, what they're doing is they're recording a deed of trust and a, you know, a note against your property basically stating out what the terms of repayment are. And so that's essentially what you're doing with your private money lender is you're, you're writing out the terms of repayment and securing, showing um, the county that there is a deed recorded against this property that needs to be paid off at the next sale of the property. Great question. Great answer. So yes, um, this is something that a lot of people just don't understand is that these lenders are actually secured against the property. We can't sell the house. We can't refinance the house. We can't do anything about on that house without their permission. Um, they're fully secured. Now, what happens? Here's an interesting conversation. What happens if we're in the middle? It's 2007 and I'm in the middle of building or renovating a property. And I've got, let's say, one of our favorite lenders. And I'll have Cody, maybe you should pull up an email from um, Rita. Uh, Rita, like what was her last email? Why don't we pull that up and do a little bit of a screen share? So the, cause yeah. I want to, now that people know what we raise money for and how you structure some of the documents and all that kind of stuff, I want to get into the mind of a lot of these lenders and where to find them. Okay. So it, Rita, sweetheart, every time we sell a property, the title company has to go and get her to give us a payoff. So they order a payoff. So she has to say, oh yeah, they owe me my principal balance plus seven days of interest. And that, once I get that check, I will sign off on uh, the release of the note and the release of the deed of trust. So they all get wiped away once she gets paid. And then we can sell the property to the new owner. So um, this is great. What if your hard money lender does not allow a second position? I've never heard of a, a, a hard money lender not allow a second position. A hard money lender, that would be crazy for them not to allow a second position. It would not make any sense for them not to. And if somebody can say my hard money lender will not allow a second position, I would love to interview that hard money lender because I've never heard of it. It would not make any sense. Zero. Could you explain what that means? What a second position is? Okay. So we talked about uh, there's two lenders, right? And there's a reason why I was writing number one and number two. Okay. So 
number lender number one right here. Let's say that the world falls apart. This lender gets paid first. So let's say that the house, we bought the house again. We've put in $510,000. Lender number one gave us $440,000. They're in first position. The person who gives us the money first is or we we secure their their debt, right? We have a, a note, a promissory note. What's a promissory note, Mark Ron? It's basically a very fancy IOU. Okay. So this is an IOU and it's recorded against the property and it's in first position. It means that if everything falls apart, the person who controls the property is the person in first position. Then there's a second position lender. This is also known as a gap lender. They're filling in the gap, right? They're paying for closing costs. They're paying for the renovation. They're paying for um, the miscellaneous, all that kind of stuff. This lender funds the other $70,000. So let's say that the market completely tanks. And now this property is only worth $420,000. And I end up getting foreclosed on because this is all the house is worth. How does that 400, let's say it goes to foreclosure. Somebody comes and buys this property on the courthouse steps. Where does that $420,000 go? Remember, $440,000 is owed to the first lender and $70,000 is owed to the second lender. How much goes to the first lender? How much goes to the second lender if it's sold for four twenty? dollars um, I guess that all four twenty dollars would go to the first position lender. You are 100% correct. First position lender gets paid 100% of that. Now, Let's do something where they, it doesn't sell for four twenty. Let's sell, say it sells for four ninety. Now, how much of it goes to the first lender, and how much goes to the second lender? Um, four forty. You know, pay off the original lender four forty, and then the remaining would go to the um, to the uh, second position lender. There you go. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, yeah. That's something really interesting. A lot of people don't understand that. And I, I think that's a really, really great question. So um, when Rick says, well, what if, you're, what if you're hard money lender, the person in first position doesn't allow a second position? Why would they not? It doesn't make any sense for them not to because the second position doesn't have any control whatsoever. I have one of the emails from Rita too, if you want me to pull it up. <laughs> yeah, pull it up. Do a screen share. All right, one sec. And I apologize, Hyel ran to the store while we're on here. So if the dog barks, I have no control of that. So for those of you that may be listening on Spotify or iTunes, can you hear me okay before I jump into this? You sound great, dude. Maybe. So this was an email from one of our lenders, Rita. She said, Pace, hi there. I still can't retire, but bonus she calls her interest payments bonus bonus has paid for car insurance lifelong medical needs so i can't tell you how blessed that i am that we came across each other through a side road that led to success talk about impressed as i look in on your programs here and there it's still way way over my head but what i know and what i know is trust in you and what you're doing tris gets this is transaction we were doing with clear title during our last intervention was taken by surprise and she so admired it to even comment, trust is pretty unheard of today. Thanks for confirming not only Cody, but Jeff is also part of that trust since the money I invest to help you help others took my lifetime to build. Jeff said he is old school, I like that, and he is thorough and clear. You know how to read people to connect them with me and I appreciate that. 
So let me give you guys some context of this email. Okay. This is Rita Hansen, one of our private lenders. I'm going to tell you guys how I met her and I'm going to tell you guys um, how much money she has and how much we pay her. Okay. So um, she's thanking us. Okay. You guys need to understand something very important. It's how, who feels like they have to convince a lender to give them money? Who feels like they have to convince a lender to give them money? It is the exact opposite of that in our world. Our lenders want to do business with us because we have profitable projects and we have a good track history. Most people's money is sitting in their checking accounts, sitting in 401ks, sitting in IRAs. Their money is doing nothing for them. Nothing. Okay, that's most people. Does anybody on here, I hate to like call people out that might be multi-millionaires on here, but... Do you guys, does anybody in here have money sitting in a bank account? And they have no idea what to do with it. Like 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand, whatever. Okay. You'll see a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I, I do, but I don't know what to do with it. Our lenders are the same way. They have a hundred grand. They have 50 grand. They have 200 grand. They have 300 grand. We have a couple of lenders like uh, Gary Jayberg who has $45 million. We use his money way less often than we use Rita Hansen who has less than $100,000 to her entire name. We use her repeatedly because she is so grateful for the return. She is so thankful for the opportunity to lend money to us, okay? How did I, how did I find Rita? I found Rita. She was a motivated seller. Oh my gosh, dude. I, I, I didn't even think about Desiree, but we got to talk about Desiree. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of lenders. The first lender that Cody and I got together let me break that down for you. First the lender first that Cody and I ever did together too. Yep. First deal that Cody and I ever did together um, was a property on, what was the name of the house? Wolf. Wolf Street. Wolf Street. So we bought the property for, we got it under contract for $110,000. Okay. At the time, Cody and I were not business partners. So I, I got the contract because this is our first deal together. If you guys know the story, you know the story. The story is this. Cody reaches out to me and he says, hey, Pace, I saw you on Steve Trang's show. I need some help. I, I'm not great at closing, but I'm good at generating leads. I go, great. We're a perfect match made in heaven. I'll close deals for you. So we meet at a McDonald's. Cody gives me six or seven leads. And then I leave to Florida for the next three or four days to a mastermind that I was part of. And while I was on break between the mastermind, I was calling Cody's leads. I get a hold of this lady named Desiree, and Desiree owns this property on Wolf Street. I end up getting her contracted at 110, and oh my gosh, that was one tricky freaking seller. The trickiest, trickiest seller and situation. Right. So super tricky, guys. You got to understand, you got to hear this whole story. Everybody listen to this story. By the way, a lot of my students, a lot of my students have heard um, Desiree come into the mentorship and break down our relationship. Last time I was on, um, I was in Atlanta and I called Desiree while I was doing a Zoom with all the students. And I said, hey, Desiree, just wondering, when do you want your money back? She's like, man, I would never want my money back after doing business with you guys. You guys just keep sending me the monthly check. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So Desiree is her name. This is not even the cool part of the story is getting this lender. We, I get the contract at 110, but I realize this is Cody's lead. So I tell Cody, I go, Cody, assign the deal to me for 120. 
I believe. So Cody made 10 grand, assigning it to me, and then I assigned it to somebody else for 130. Okay, so Cody and I both made $10,000 on this deal. Okay, really cool. That was, a, that was a great deal, but here's what's cool, is that while I was talking to Desiree, everybody write this down, because this is probably 30% of where our money comes from. Write this down. 30% of our money comes from this. We ask our sellers, and I have done so many recordings of this, we ask our sellers, this is the question. Once we close escrow, what are your plans for the money? She says, I don't know, but I need a passive return. So I told her, I go, well, I don't know if you want to invest with me or maybe some of my friends, but I'd love to show you what that looks like. And so I took her on a ride along. Cody, actually, do you remember we, I took her to that one meeting where it was, uh, I don't know if you were there. I feel like you were there. It was um, Michael Kafka. Yes, Michael Kafka. I took her to the freaking appointments. Why do I remember these people's names? For I don't know, dude. It's insane, but I'm impressed. So I bring Desiree, our seller, to Michael Kafka's appointments. We had two of his houses under contract. And I told Desiree, I go, hey, just come with me. Show, let me show you what this business looks like. Okay? Pay attention to this, guys. This is not bullshit. This is absolutely true. This is where the money comes from. And I'm going to tell you where Rita Hansen came from too. So De Desiree says, I want passive income. I go, great, just come hang out with me. She literally jumps in my Prius, okay? At the time, I had a different Prius though. I had a white Prius. So I then ask, um, you know, she comes, she asked me, I remember when she was in my car, she's like, can't you afford a nicer car? <laughs> And I was like, do you want to invest with somebody that's driving around in a Bentley? Or do you want to invest with somebody who's, who's understands how money works? And she's like, great point. So guys, pay attention. This is like the, one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. I am so proud of this one thing. So out of the $110,000, McGron, how much money do you think I got out of that $110,000? All of it. 100%. We got all $110,000 of that. And we divided it over like three or four properties, not five, but three or four properties. And her money, um, she gets paid a 10% return on all her money. So every month she gets something around a thousand bucks a month. Where did we use this money? We use this money in second position on sub two deals. She's on, I know she's on 17th Drive, which is one of her favorite deals. It's an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Where else is her money? Uh, then she's on, we, we used to have her on three, but now we only have her on two. We have her on 17th and then we have her on Mercury, which we're going to be selling Mercury this year. So she's going to get a chunk back that we're going to have to put back to work from her because I know she will not want it back. <laughs> yeah, she does not want, guys, do you think she wants this $110,000 back? No, she's a nurse. She wants that money working for her. She does not want this money. So many people, this is the number one question people ask me. And I, I'm so sorry, I have not been um, 
now I know I'm, I'm so sorry that um, I have not been looking at the side chat. I've just kind of been in the zone. Hopefully this is giving you guys a tremendous amount of value. I hope you guys understand how amazing and powerful this is. Okay. So this is not the end of the relationship. Point out to everyone that as a private investor, we would not ever invest with somebody we don't trust. Yeah. hundred percent. That's Malcolm. Malcolm is actually one of our private lenders. He's we love yeah. Malcolm and his wife. Amazing, amazing people. Okay. And we, we obviously, we, maybe we can have Malcolm come on here. He's one of our private lenders. We can come on here as a guest and do like round two next week, talking about what that looks like as a lender. What does he see from the, like, what are they learning? What do they see? How does our team treat them? All that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, how do you keep track of your private money when you have multiple lenders you're working with? Um, we have Slack, we have Asana, we have um, all that stuff. And a all great bookkeeper that I do weekly calls with to review where what money do we have out? I mean, we have a spreadsheet that we keep track of all of our lenders on, but then we're having weekly conversations around hey, when is this money going to be getting returned back to this investor? And then where are we going to be deploying it next? And then that's what those are the conversations that happen on a week to week to monthly basis, depending on the lender. Okay. So guys, I want to finish up my conversation with Desiree because I think this is the most powerful thing. I'm true. Besides convincing my wife to marry me and besides procreating and utilizing um, that whole God's gift, besides that, this is the coolest thing I've ever done truly. We, we buy her house for $110,000. That's step one. That was, she was so hard to, she was so harder to close on a cash transaction than she was to then raise the capital from. Okay. So that's two. I got all of her money on private money, but here's the thing. I could call Desiree right now and she would call me. She would answer her phone and say, hi friend. Because we love each other. We're friends. My, her, I'm friends with her husband. I go and visit their kids. Your lenders are your friends. Okay. These are your, these are the family members you choose, not the ones you were born with. Okay. So check this out. What's the third thing I did? Nobody will guess. Nobody will guess the third thing I did. And I don't even think you knew this, Cody, until recently. I did this a year ago and I never even told you this. She was renting her own home for nine years and it was their dream home. They'd been fixing it up. They'd been doing all sorts of stuff to the property. And she says to me, man, I wish I could buy my own home. So what do I do? I sat down with her landlord and I structured a seller finance deal for her to buy her own home from her, her, her landlord after nine years at 0% interest, 30 year carry. And guess how much money I structured her to put money down? 0% down. Incredible. Do you think do you think that my job is to just like go around and make money for myself? Or do you guys think that my job is to empower and impact other people's lives? It is 100% my job 
to do these types of things. And Desiree, Cody, you, when I, I did this on like over the course of like a two week period, and I don't think I ever told you until like maybe a month ago. Yeah. You were like, you did what? And I was like, yeah, she she now the home she lives in. Um, after nine years of renting it, she's like, I wish I could do what you did. And I go, well, you can. And then I realized I was like, you know what I should just do because she's in my world is I should just work the deal out with her. So I sat down with her landlord at a restaurant and I structured the deal for, for Desiree. And now Desiree owns her home, 0% interest, 0% down 30 year term. This is what we do for our lenders. Okay. And the other thing we do for our lenders is a, peop, a lot of times, and I'll break down the types of lenders there are, but let me, let me give you guys one last story. So that's Desiree. That's where she came from. Um, the other person that I want to tell you what they came from is Rita Hansen. Okay. Rita Hansen was a motivated seller. So here we are teaching you guys how to talk to people and have conversations. Your job is, is more, it's not, you're not talking to like horrible people all day long. You're talking to people who own homes, <laughs> right? So Rita tells me, she says, well, here's my age. Here's my situation. And I go, Rita, you shouldn't sell your house. You shouldn't sell your house. She's like, really? She's like, that makes me want to sell the house to you more. I go, I know. Usually that's actually a line I use. Usually that's a line I use to like make people want to sell to me. My wife, I remember this vividly. My wife, hold on a second. This is too good. This is too good to tell to even I, you guys are going to think I'm lying. You're going to think I'm lying the whole, this, uh, this whole story. Let me get my wife on the phone. I remember while you're calling her, I remember when you were telling me about the seller and you're like, I think I'm going to get this deal. And I was excited and I pulled into a Starbucks and I remember you called me and I was like, did you get the deal? And he's like, no, but she's lending us money. And I'm like, what? Hey, babe. Yeah. Do you remember my first conversation I had with Rita Hansen? Uh, yeah. What tell tell everybody what was that conversation and like how you felt when I was walking around to that park? Um, I only heard the very beginning of it, but you were—I I remember correctly. I feel like you were telling her, talking her out of of selling her house to you, and then you were talking to her about like where she works, what her retirement is, what her plan is. And then you started coming up with a completely different solution for her to invest with you instead and keep her house. And it was really interesting because it happened in like a 15 minute car ride. And it was just a whole different take. Thanks, okay, babe. Bye. Sorry, so, my wife is literally like a random Thursday. My wife and I are like, hey, let's go to the splash pad with my baby. And I, you know, I always tell my wife, here's expectation. The expectation is if I'm out with you Monday through Saturday and it's like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., just expect that I'm going to be working. Like I'm building our family's legacy. So we go to the splash pad. She's playing with Corbin and I get this phone call. I have no, no idea who it was. It came from a lady named Rita Hansen. And she calls me up and she says, hey, is this Pace? I go, yeah. She goes, are you Pace, the guy who saves people from foreclosure? I go, yeah. What's up? And she goes, you saved my friend from foreclosure 30 days ago and you didn't even want to buy the house. I go, well, it's not that I didn't want to buy the house. It's that she really should have stayed in the house. I really cared about her solution. 
And she's like, wow, so it is true. And I go, okay, who are you? What's going on? She says, my name is Rita Hansen. I, I want to sell my house. I'm not really in distress, but I, I kind of want, I'm, I'm nearing retirement and my financial advisor is telling me I need to sell my house. And I listened to the story from my friend at work that you saved her from foreclosure. You, you stopped the whole thing and you got her a loan modification and you saved everything and you wouldn't even take like a Taco Bell gift certificate. I go, yeah, you know, she was, a, it was the right thing. It was what she needed. And she's like, that's so unbelievable. I get emails, phone calls, all these people calling me to sell, buy my house. And you're the first person I've talked to that actually gives a crap about anybody. I'm like, wow, thank you. I take that as a compliment. Guys, am I tooting my own horn? Yes, I am tooting my own horn. This is the passion we find in this business. This is a passion. I should toot my own horn. This is fun, right? So, what happens is Rita then tells, I go, she tells me, here's my situation. Here's where I'm at. This is why I want to sell. And I go, Rita, you shouldn't sell your house. She's like, this has got to be a line. I go, no, you shouldn't sell your house. I can tell you how to retire faster than your, how long have you been with this financial advisor? She says 28 years. I go, you and I need to sit down. I would love to meet at like a Denny's or something. And I'll write out exactly what I think you should do with your money. And whether it has anything to do with me or not, I just want to help you out because your financial advisor has grown your portfolio in 20 something years, less than 8% total. It's an absolute horrible financial advisor. So this was a year and a half ago. And Rita Hansen, um, we actually pay Rita Hansen a flat fee. We pay her $2,500 every time she lends money to us. And she lends money to us typically about eight times a year because she's giving us money in two chunks, like 35 grand here, 25 grand here, and it's always on two deals. And she's getting paid a flat fee of $2,500. That's it. That's what we worked out. So I told her, hey, if you just lend to us every 90 days, I'll give you 2,500 bucks. And she's like, wow, are you kidding me? So she's made like 20 grand. We've rate her. She's made like a 25% return on her entire portfolio working with us in the last 14, 15 months. And that came from somebody who I told her, no, you should not sell your house. Okay. Um, Liz says, I would love to know how to have that conversation with my landlord to buy my duplex with Desiree terms. <laughs> so again, guys, I'm telling you, this is ultimately, um, Jess Marshall says, Next time you're in Dallas, jump on my podcast. Jess, I would love to jump on your podcast. Um, we, I'm actually going to be going to Dallas in the next 30 days. I just bought an Airbnb, so I would love to come on your podcast. So when you guys are sitting here talking to sellers and you're buying homes, that is truly 30% of where our money comes from. 30%. And when I tell you this, it's crazy, but it is absolutely true. These people are selling their homes. They're inheriting houses. There's a, there's a seller that I got, we bought two sub twos from and he, in the same conversation, and I gave this recording away. The guy's like, I'll give you uh, $250,000 to invest with. I, I just want to be passive. It was a seller. This is where 30% of our money comes from is our private sellers. I actually had a seller like that too, a few days ago. Uh, he, um, He's not, he's not looking to invest in like residential, but like if you he said like, if you ever find any warehouses or industrial, like I'll be your money partner. And I'm not into that, but in case I ever do, I mean, I have a guy for that now. Dude, I'm telling you, it is so crazy how this works. And so, 
Um, Jeremy Davis says, Pace, I was told by attorneys you should never pay flat fees because of usury laws. Are you familiar with the risk? Nope, never heard that. Our, our attorney says it's perfectly fine. Um, does everybody does everybody feel like they've gotten massive value? And maybe like as we're starting to wind down, now we've just warmed up. I almost feel like we should do another episode all about raising private capital, episode two, going into next week. I because think- then we. Go ahead, Cody. I was going to say, I think on this live pace, you know, uh, you've done a great job and we've done a great job just giving people the perspective and getting the understanding of, okay, private lending. I know I need to raise private money, but what am I using the private money for? Where is that going? And how do I do it? Where do these people come from? I think that there is a great foundation laid on this live talking about that um, because I think you know, what you did a great job was talking about where a couple of these lenders came from, right? You know, two of the lenders coming from actual sellers. So if you're doing the business, you're wholesaling properties, this is just something that you're adding to what you're already doing in your business. You're having conversations with these homeowners already, just figuring out what they're doing with those funds. A lot of times, especially the folks that are inheriting their properties. I mean, like Desiree, for example, she inherited that property. So she was getting a lump sum of cash. She didn't know what to do with, right? Um, or like Arita, where she's, you know, around retirement and she wants to, you know, consistently grow her, you know, nest egg. So, you know, that's what you have to uh, take away. You know, a couple of things that I really took away from this call is, you know, looking at it from a bird's eye view for new investors that are trying to, you know, figure out how to get a private lender, just, you know, starting to do deals, you know, those, those are great uh, opportunities to bring in private money lenders. The big thing as well, guys, is that most people that ask me, how do I raise private capital have literally just never tried to raise private capital. They've never asked a friend, they've never done anything. And so um, the other day, Kelly Hanna, who runs our media team, Kelly Hanno calls me. She goes, I've got this guy interested in, you know, lending to me. And this is also the power of having Cody and I, um, you know, people are coming to the um, mastermind and people that are in sub two mentorship. When you guys need um, credibility, um, I want to, I want to pull up my email that I sent to Zach. Um, Let's see, Shelly. I wonder if Zach Shelly is actually still in here. But I had an email that I, I sent over to Zach Shelley where he says to me, um, oh yeah, check this out. Cody probably won't be a, ha- a happy fan of this, but here's what I did to the seller. What? <laughs> You'll be fine with it. Um, okay, so check this out, guys. This is why you have a mentor um, that actually cares about your, your growth is, let me change this, screen share to this specific email. So Zach Shelley calls me up and he says to me, he goes, I've got a seller. They want to sell in seller finance, but I have, I have, uh, no credibility and they want a credibility email. I go, no problem. Let me send it to you. So this is what I sent him. I said, um, here's the name of the seller. I actually, cl- I closed on this house. Actually, it's really funny how easy this worked. I ended up being the one that bought it. So the seller's name is Mr. Glover. Can anybody read this or not read it? Oh my God. Can you read that? I said, uh, Mr. Glover, my name is Pace Morby. I do real estate transactions and partner with Zach Shelley in the Texas market. 
I personally do deals all over the country with an emphasis on Arizona, Atlanta, Nevada, Florida, and Texas. My personal cell phone is blah. I shouldn't be giving that to anybody. (laughs) Me and my partners own several businesses across different parts of real estate. We own a title company, creative finance business, virtual assistant business, real estate software business, blah, 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 blah. Here's a picture of the attorney that where I'm standing with that will do the one that will do the close of escrow, which this is who closed escrow. This is Scott Horn. Um, Here is a video of a recent seller who sold to us. Here's a testimonial from our insurance provider. And here's a few of our LLCs with all of our, with the houses inside of them. As you can see, you, as you can see, we are doing a lot of business. Zach is someone we are doing deals with, and I can personally vouch for him. So when you have a mentor, this is the purpose of a mentor. When you have a mentor, this is the purpose this is the purpose of, of going into a mentorship is having credibility at your fingertips. Okay. So I tell, and I told Kelly Hanno this when she talked to her private lender the other day, I said, Kelly, leverage my name, use our projects. We want you to be highly successful. So when you have these conversations and every student in here, that's a sub two student, how many people are sub two student throw up the peace sign. I want to, I want to see how many of my sub two students are in here out of the 350 people watching. You all have You all, and this Rob Robin says exactly why we say so underpaid for this mentorship. Rob Robin's somebody I consider a a personal friend of mine is in the Fresno, uh, Northern California market. Um, Guys, you have Cody's and my credibility at your fingertips. If you ever run into a seller that says, I need help, I need to understand that you're a credible buyer, you have us, Okay. Same thing with private lenders. If you guys run into a private lender that says, I would lend to you, but you're too brand new. Get, if you're one of my students and you're one of our Cody and my mastermind students, get me on the phone with your private lender and I will help you raise that capital. I did the same thing for Ke- Kelly. Kelly brings her private lender to one of our meetups in Florida a couple of weeks ago and I prop her up. I'd say, this is the girl. This is the girl. You got to lend your money to her. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, so if you guys ever need help and you're a sub two student or you're in the you're in the mastermind, we will help you with whatever you need. Okay, um, awesome stuff. Look at all these freaking sub two students. So guys, if you if you are not a sub two student and you're looking to squat up, look at all of these powerful people. Marcia Wright, oh my gosh, I love you. Gerald Rojas, one of our private lenders, is actually in here. Gerald, I love you. Vincent Lanza, amazing. Guys, think and Oscar, another one of our private lenders. Um, I actually saw Debbie Lewin here a couple minutes ago. She, Malcolm Finlayson, Malcolm is uh, one of our private lenders. Um, I've never met a married couple that had so different um, uh, accents from each other. It's like my favorite when you're talking to both of them on the phone. It's so awesome. It's like you're you're sitting at the UN and talking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so Debbie Lou, um, we love you. You're awesome. And I saw you in here a little bit ago. So I think what we should do is I think we should deep dive on, on how to find. So we already talked about leading up to it. Okay. So next week, this is what I want to do. And Makran, if you have any questions, we can wrap up with some questions as well, but everybody pay attention. This is what I want to do. I want everybody to share this podcast Take a screenshot on your Instagram, tag Cody, tag myself, and I want everybody to show up for um, Raising Private Capital 
2.0 next week. I want to do a whole nother hour and a half all about raising private capital. And what we'll do is we'll bring in um, one of our private lenders so you guys can actually have a conversation with our one of our private lenders. And then what we'll do as well is we'll um, deep dive and actually show you how to find people that are private lenders outside of sellers, okay? So we've talked to you about where how to find sellers, you know, utilizing your private sellers to get the private money. We'll show you how to get the other 70% of your private lenders, like tactical, amazing advice. Has anybody felt like they got actual tactical advice tonight? Did you guys get any one-liners? Did you guys get any things to ask the sellers? Did you guys understand anything? What was the main thing you guys got out of this today? Give me, give me some feedback. I want to know. And Mark Ron, do you have any questions before we lead into wrapping this up? No, I mean, you, I mean, I got a lot of value from this. I mean, how to turn sellers into lenders is how you did it is incredible. So Love thank it. you. Mark Wright, I'm very sorry I had to kick you out. I'm I'm I've had this goal of mine this year to only have really, really good audio on our show. So commend you, Macron, for having good audio today. We just want to make sure that anybody listening on iTunes. Spotify later down the road, they're not like, oh my gosh, this is bad and it's cutting out because the second I hear somebody having bad audio, I turn it off. So we just want to make sure we don't do that. Um, ooh, Jeremy Davis says his um, paying back a lender with their own money was 100%, 1,000%. What are you doing? Oh, Aaron Leeds, by the way, your question, this might not be a camera that you want to use, but the camera that I use for all my live streams is called a Sony FX6. Google that. Number one, you can't, they're, they're really hard to find, but they're, it's the Sony FX6 with a G Master 24 millimeter lens and a Sennheiser boom mic. Pace has all the best shit. So if you want to spend the most money on all the best stuff, Pace has all the best stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, ha I have, um, th th there's no better streaming camera on planet earth. In fact, most people are like, uh, that's the price of a Honda Civic. <laughs> like, well, if you're doing, if you're, if you're doing as many streams as we do and you, we, I do on average, probably 25 to 30 hours a week of zoom with my students. And then another 15 to 20 hours of zooms with my employees and my partners. I'm 40 hours in front of this thing. I just want to make sure it's good quality. So people don't get, um, no, I do not have the cam link 4k adapter. I used to have that. And here's where it's sitting right now. I, I do not use the cam link anymore because my equipment have, has surpassed the cam link, uh, necessity. Um, yeah, it's a Sony FX six. Um, cinema, like you can make movies with the camera that we've got. Um, okay. Ooh, Lynn Mon Moni says, um, leveraging your mentor for credibility. That is what we're here for. That is why you join mentorships. You don't join mentorship just to watch a bunch of lame ass videos in like modules. Those are cool. Um, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, Jeremy, you did see me playing with the cam link. I was messing with it with my, I have a Sony a seven S three, which I have is like a third camera angle, but, um, I, that one does use a, a cam link. I, this was, I think one of the big things I told everybody to stop and write this down. This was the question I asked, um, Desiree, once we close escrow, what are you going to do with the money? 
Cash buyers as lenders. Do we have any cash buyers as lenders, Cody? No, I mean, most of them are using their money if they had, if they're going to use their own capital for their own fix and flips. Yeah. I mean, so here's another thing and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll bring Malcolm or, um, Debbie Lou or somebody else in here. A lot of our lenders that we'll get are people that are aspiring fix and flippers. People that come to us and go, I want to fix and flip. Um, I don't quite know how, but I do have cash. So can I participate as a lender? This is that I'm giving too many nuggets away where I got to leave this for number two. Um, um, so interesting M I H R A N you have a silent, like almost a, a, a soft K in the middle of your name. Is that how you, am I saying it right? Or am I too, is it too hard? My name is Persian. It's pronounced in like in, in the dialect Mahran. Um, so it's, it's, it's Mahran. I say Mahran with no H, no K in the middle. It's just an H. Oh, for some reason I thought I heard it with a K. I'm so sorry. You're good, man. I'm so sorry. We, us, um, Westerners are idiots. I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, guys, this was really fun. I, I think this was amazing. I think that next week, if we can get, we've had 350 people watching live today, almost the whole entire show. I think if we can share this to the creative finance Facebook group and everybody in the sub two mentorship, please spread this this whole week and let's talk about it. I want to get more people on here. The reality is next week, I'm going to talk about um, all the people that are private lenders are going to be in the side chat. I'm going to start asking people if they're willing to do private lending in the side chat. And you guys might be able to, to squat up with some actual private lenders. Um, Kelly Hanno says 2.0. She's loading it right now. Love it. So please share this with everybody. Tag us on Instagram. Go into the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group and make one comment like here's the biggest thing i learned on on creative Fi or i'm sorry sunday service tonight um next week what i'm going to have cody do is i'm going to have cody go through um a no a promissory note and a deed of trust which is the documentation that you utilize to secure a lender against a property would that be beneficial for everybody cody do we have one that's really recent that you can use yeah of course we have one closing this week that we can use. <laughs> Let's do, which one are we closing this week? Sonnet. Oh, that's a great one because that's a private lender uh, on, a on a seller finance deal. Yeah, that we're, keeping, we're keeping that for forever. Amazing one. Let's do that one because this is Sunday service after all. So next week, guys, we're going to have, Cody's going to pull up the closing documents on a property we're buying this coming week. It's a half a million dollar property that we are raising private capital for. That private capital will go in second position and we will then utilize that property. Uh, the exit strategy will be an Airbnb. I don't know what our net will be on that off the top of my head. Do you know what the net is going to be? Uh, the net should probably be close to $1,000 a month, probably more conservatively, seven, eight hundred dollars a month with you know all costs associated. The the property should generate fifty grand a year, fifty-five grand a year gross, but our net around seven fifty to a thousand. Uh Melvin Maxwell says, What are the minimum returns you guys are trying to achieve with each fix and flip? So you'll get a lot of fix and flippers that will at, they'll say, I want to return based on a percentage. But because Cody and I actually don't use any of our own money, our return is infinite even if we make a dollar. So um, for us, we're not as aggressive as a lot of people. They'll say, well, I'm buying one flip at a time. So I got to make 50, 60, $70,000. Um, for us, 
I would, we, Cody and I, you and I don't really have this conversation, but I think that like an average of 25 to $35,000 a flip is probably where we were very happy. Yeah. Like 20, 20,000 is the minimum. Um, we are more conservative than some buyers. I mean, we, we don't speculate. Um, and you know, because it's important to us to make sure that even if something goes wrong, that we're still going to be in the green. So that's, that's one of the, that's the most important thing. We we're looking to be at, at least 20,000 worst case scenario. And most times, you know, underwriting at making 30,000 plus. Love it. Love it. Love it. And anybody, anybody that's a sub two student, I've already built out the private lending module for sub two 2.0, the new training that we're, we're releasing. Um, I think in the next couple of weeks, that is like 12 to 14 hours of raising private capital all in, um, very, very detailed, same way, like building up. This is an hour and 20 minutes, essentially that we talked about this. Um, in the sub two mentorship, you guys will get 12 hours of this deep diving. Um, so if you're a sub two student, you, this is just, we're just barely scratching the surface on what you guys get access to. Um, Aaron Leed says, I need to learn more about managing Airbnbs. I've heard it's complicated and less passive. It's here's the thing that we do. We just have Noah Hoffman do it. We're not interested in managing our own Airbnbs. No, we're only going to make 700 or $800 a month on that thing. Cody. Oh, he's, he, 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 he got, he went out. So anyway, guys, we really appreciate you guys so much. Um, Mara, walk me through it again. Should I say the I or no I? Uh, replace the I with an A. It's like Mahran. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My bad. So thank you so much for coming tonight. Hopefully you had fun being on stage with us. Um, it's a little bit more active being on here, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Yeah. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Um, we will see everybody next Sunday, Sunday service, raising private capital 2.0.